We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. If you would turn in your Bible to the book of Acts, I'm going to begin in chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. If you've been here for the last couple of Wednesday nights, um, I've been teaching from the book of Acts. I'm going to switch, Brother Chad. Amen. Been teaching a series on the book of Acts, kind of going through step by step. We took some time. We took some time over the last couple of Wednesday nights on Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And I believe the Lord uh, spoke to us through some of that and uh, helped us through some of that. Um, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, very important to the beginning and the birth of the church, the New Testament church as we know it today. Um, But now we're going to get into the Acts of the Apostles, what they did, how they did it, where they did it, and how God used them uh, throughout all of the world to touch and affect the people that God had called them to affect in the very beginning. The reason that Jesus called these 12 men to be his disciples is because he knew that the only way for them to be, dis- be apostles would to be disciples. They would not be called Christians till later on in the book of Acts. We'll get to that eventually. Um, they were not called Christians first. They were not called apostles first. They were not uh, called men of God first. The first thing they were called were disciples, followers of Christ. And we pick the story up in Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This is what the Bible says. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said look on us. He gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Amen. Uh, we'll start here tonight in the book of Acts chapter 3. Can we have a quick prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for your spirit that we feel in this house. We thank you for bringing us back to this place one more time. I ask you tonight, Lord, that you would touch us tonight as we study your word, as we go deep in Bible study. I pray you'll speak to us through your word, encourage us through your word, grow us and mature us, and we'll be careful to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also, and we'll give you all the praise and glory. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing and worshiping with us tonight. Amen. So good to have Brother Gideon Asefa in the house tonight helping us out a little bit. Amen. Always good to have my friend with us in the house. Um, last week, uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, really was the birth of the church, uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we, we saw that in that first moment that about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom It was a great moment. It was a great moment of celebration. It was the Feast of Pentecost, 
and there was an exciting celebration, and it was also a moment where there was conviction upon the hearts of men, realizing how they had crucified Jesus and responding with, what shall we do? Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then those that gladly received the word were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and about 3,000 of them that day were added to the church. This is how the Bible would describe this uh, to us, is that about 3,000, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so the church went from 120 that we know of to over 3,000 in a day. That's, that's revival, amen, that, that's harvest. And many, many were added. The Bible says that many were added every day, such as should be saved. And this is the birth of the church is how it began. And now the book of Acts will begin to take us through some of a daily walk with the disciples and the apostles. Luke, who was writing the book of Acts, uh, begins to write in the book of Acts as an historical ledger. This is what began to happen. This is how the things began to unfold. And we pick this up in the book of Acts chapter 3. The Bible tells us about Peter and John. Uh, went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer that, you know, Peter and John, they had walked with Jesus. They had talked with Jesus. They had seen all the many miracles, signs and wonders that Jesus had done. And they were known now as the disciples, the apostles of Jesus Christ. But when it was time to pray, they were there. Amen. Let me say that again. When it was time to pray, they were there. Prayer time, they were there. You know, they. this is a, uh, a, a lot of people skip over this first verse from chapter 3, and, and, and they miss a few things. Here's one thing that I see when I read the first verse of chapter 3 of the book of Acts. I see that no matter who you are, no matter how high you feel you are, no matter how close to Jesus you think you are, when it's the hour of prayer, you go to prayer. Amen. 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 I got like seven of y'all. Amen. It, it, it's good, though, because we see these men as like, you know, right next to Jesus. These are the most powerful men in the world. They are the most, some of the most influential people in the history of mankind. But when it was the hour of prayer, they went to the hour of prayer. Here's what I want to tell you, that the miracle that we're about to see in Acts chapter 3 was a direct result of them being on time for prayer. Right. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Look, man, y'all, y'all don't want to preach for me tonight, y'all. Y'all, like, it's Bible study, man. We let this man just talk about it. It was a direct result of them being on time. It was a di- direct result of them being consistent. Uh, miracle sign. We want miracle signs and wonders to happen in such, such many different ways. Uh, but I believe that God works uh, in, the, in the constraint of doing what we know to do well. Yes. Amen? That, that there's no super secret sauce to this thing. It just going to prayer, just being on time, being at church, showing up for the things that you know you need to show up for. God does miraculous things. It's, it reminds me of David who told Saul, when I was watching my father's sheep, a lion came, I killed a lion. A bear came, I killed a bear. And because of those things, when I was just being faithful, because th- those things happen in those moments, it gives me the boldness to know that the same God that delivered me from the bear, the same God that delivered me from the lion, is the same God that would deliver me from this giant. 
It was just, I was just being normal, just being faithful. I wasn't doing anything fancy. I was just on my way to prayer because that's the time to go to prayer. And on my way to prayer, a man said, hey, can you give me something? And I just happened to be broke. Amen. This is just good stuff because it, it shows us that, that these men were doing nothing fancy in this moment. There will be moments in the book of Acts when these men are doing amazing things. And the apostle Paul is literally leaving everything he has to go do some great call of God. But the first miracle in the book of Acts that we see outside of the Holy Ghost, which is the greatest miracle that will ever happen to you. The next miracle we see is just two guys on their way to prayer. They're faithful to prayer, they're on time, and on the way to prayer, there is a need, and the man says, could you give me some change? I, I used to preach a message when I first started evangelizing. This is one of my first messages I ever preached as an evangelist, and the title of the message was Spare Change. And I talked about this man who was really looking for just, you know, just something to get by, spare change. And I talked about how our, our world is, we, spare change is a multi-billion dollar, multi-trillion dollar industry because everybody's looking for a quick fix, just something to get me through. But, but when he, he asked for spare change, they gave him permanent change. That, that the cha he, he was asking for just change for now, but the change that they had wasn't just change in the pocket, but it was a change of life. And, and another thing that always struck me funny is the man was asking for arms and what he really needed was legs. Some of y'all get that later. Y'all be driving that road tomorrow. Oh, Pastor Chavis got me. He was asking arms, but the Bible says he was lame. I mean, A-L-M-S, I know, I'm sorry. I'm just special like that. He was asking arms of them. And this was normal. This was a normal exchange. In their time, in the time that these people were living, it was customary for people who were um, hurt, handicapped. This was a place of known benevolence. You could stand outside the temple. You would be brought there. People would bring you to the gate, and people would lay you there, and they would bring you to the gate of the temple, and it was, it was a part of everyday life. When you were going into worship, uh, a part of going into worship was to stop by and if you had some spare change to, to give it to someone in need because they could not work. You know, there was no such thing as Medicare. There was no such thing as Social Security. You know, there was no such thing back then. It was, it was the benevolence of good people going to prayer. And so it was a common thing. This man wasn't like, you know, a dirty beggar that people were like, oh, you know, get out of my way. Uh, this was a common thing, a very common. And so as he asked alms, the Bible says that Peter looked at him and, and said, hey, look at us. Now, this is very important because it was very customary at this time that if you were a beggar, if you were someone in that handicapped position, one of the common things was is that, and you can go look this up in history, one of the common things of beggars in that time was that they never looked anybody in the face. It was more of a downward look. It, it was like, I know my place. I know that I'm less than, and, and I, I understand that I'm less than. And so I just raised my hand and say, you know, do you have something? And even in today's society, we see this in people that deal with shame connected to their circumstance. People are, you know, people, someone would come and ask you for something. They're broke. They don't have any money. We, we normally see the, the, the posture of someone 
who is in need. The posture of someone who is in need mostly is a, is a cower down, you know, hey, man, you got something. I'm, I'm broke. You know, my, my, my family needs. And it's almost a position of looking down and looking away, not making eye contact. But the first thing that Peter does is he says, look at us. He brings this man into a moment of reality. Look at me. Don't, don't look down because I don't see myself as less than you are. Look me in the eye. I want to look you in your eye because what I'm about to say to you, you need to hear me. This is not, what's about to happen in your life is not normal. This moment is very normal. This moment is very plain. This moment is like, this is, this is everyday life for you. But I want you to look me in my eyes because something is about to change for you. He said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them. And when he looked up, what's, what, what's the Bible says? I love this. I love this verbiage. Expecting to receive something of them. When someone says, hey, 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 look at me, buddy. I mean, they're, they're about to give me something. He looked up with expectation. The power of expectation is so beautiful. It, it, the power of knowing that something is coming. And, and, and this man looked up expecting to receive something of them. But Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have anything to give you. But such as I have, give I thee. What do I have? Well, he has all kinds of things. He has the Holy Ghost. He has experience, right? He, he has a walk with God. But, but more importantly, what he has is a name that is above all names. He knows the name. He knows the name of the living God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. A spoken word. A spoken word is connected to the next verse, and he took him by the right hand. A spoken word and a physical action. You see this? This is not just Peter speaking a word off the top of his head, but the word that he speaks is the expectation of his outstretched hand. A lot of times me and you will speak a word, but we're afraid to do an action. We'll speak a word, but we're afraid to do an action. When, when Peter stretched out his hand, it was a, a symbol to, and, and, a, and it, it was a signal to his own mind. I, I expect this man to get up. He said, rise up and walk. He took him by his right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He began to leap. He began to, to shout. And, and, and he did something that he probably had never, ever done before because the broken and the lame could never go in the temple. Hallelujah. So he had laid by the gate his whole life, but he had never been in. He had only been to the gate, but he had never been in. But when he stood up and walked, he entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. It was amazing. People saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. they like, we, we know this guy. I've seen him every day. Some of these people had seen him every day their entire life. Their entire life they had seen this man sitting by the gate. Never seen him in the temple. 
But now he's in the temple. He's running around like a crazy man, leaping, praising God. He's excited. They're saying to themselves, what is happening? They're filled with wonder and amazement. And as the lame man, which was healed in verse 11, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Oh, what wonder. They're, they're wonder and they're filled with amazement. And the man held Peter and John. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Peter will take any opportunity to preach. <laughs> when, when, when they saw it, Peter answered the people and it said, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? It is not lost on me and it should not be lost on you that the first miracle in the book of Acts that we see the apostles do, Peter took a moment to let everybody know this was not us. Not by my own power or holiness. Not my strength and not my holiness. Made this man walk. It had nothing to do with me. Hallelujah. You see, because me and you believe that sometimes we cannot have faith because we don't have the power or the holiness. We ain't been living right. We ain't been doing right. Let me tell you one of the greatest, uh, let me tell you one of the greatest causes of sin and one of the greatest detriments that sin brings into your life. When we are full of sin or we have sinned, and we're living in sin, or we know that we've sinned, or we know we haven't been right, sin causes us to lose confidence with God. Because we, we haven't been keeping it 100, we feel like if we would pray for someone, God wouldn't hear us because we haven't been holy enough. Some of us have stopped ourselves in service feeling the power and the unction of God to lay hands on or speak to or, 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 or use our gift in some way. But we've stopped short because we know we haven't been living just right. But Peter dispels this myth right now when he says, it wasn't by my power or my holiness that made this man walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and, a de and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Peter's just going in on these people. Like, listen, Peter, he did the same thing in Acts chapter 2. He used his moment with the Jews to preach to them conviction. He, he preaches to them their sin, that they denied Jesus. That's their sin. That's their mistake. All these people know who Jesus is. He's the most famous person on the planet at this time. And they're wondering how this happened. How did this man who we've been seeing lay by the gate since we were children, 
now is in the temple with us, running around, shouting and praising God. How is this happening? And, and Peter says, listen, it's not us. Don't look at me like I'm Jesus. Don't look at us like we have some great power or we have some great holiness. We did not make this man walk. And then he begins to use this moment to preach a convicting word. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, you, you crucified him. You killed, watch what he says in verse 15, and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name have made this man strong. There we go. That's the secret sauce right there. What made this man, what healed this man? Listen, we, we get so busy reading the, the highlighted scriptures that sometimes we'll pass right over the secret sauce. <laughs> he tells us it was his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It was his name and faith in his name. It was his name. That's why the name of Jesus is so important. Do you have faith? Here's the deal. Me and you, we have so much faith in ourselves. We, and, and here's what I mean by that. I have so much faith in me. I have more faith that I can mess this up than I have faith that Jesus can make it right. I have more faith that I can't pray the right prayer than I have that Jesus can actually heal someone. I have more faith that I'm offline or off balance or, or not holy enough. I believe me more than I believe in Jesus. But Jesus supersedes me in my mess. Amen. Jesus is above me and my troubles. And he said it was through faith in his name that healed this man. Yes. And it, it gave, by him, by Jesus, gave this man perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And if you believe that Jesus can do anything and you believe in the name and you can speak the name, then guess what? You have the same power that Peter and John had in this chapter. But I have faith through him, not faith in me. N not faith that I can mess it up. Not faith that I can get in the way. Not, not faith to make me so big that somehow I can cause trouble between God and this person getting their miracle. Yes, Lord. His name through faith and his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him his, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Verse 17. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. You didn't understand. It was through ignorance that you did this. But those things which God before have showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore. Woo. Acts 2 and 38 ain't the first time that Peter said, ain't the last time that Peter said repent. He said repent. You killed Jesus. You did not know who he was. And you did it through ignorance. And your rulers did it through ignorance. But you still need to repent. All of us have come short of the glory of God. And honestly, most of my sins have been through ignorance. And most of your sins have been through ignorance. Because you're a human and you cannot mess with the human condition of being human. You're having a biological experience, brothers and sisters. 
You're human. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But my faith isn't in my sin. My faith is in his name. Yes. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and ye shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you whom the heaven must receive unto the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. What is Peter saying? Peter's saying that Moses told you Jesus was coming. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, ye are the children of the prophets. You know this. You hear what he's saying to the Jews? You know this. Moses said it. Samuel said it. Every prophet after him said it. You're the children of the prophet. But you're also the children of the covenant which God made with our father saying unto Abraham and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So good. This is Peter talking to the Jews. He's telling them you are children of the covenant and the covenant is that through you all the world will be blessed. All the seeds, all the kindreds of the world shall be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And as they spake unto the people, this is chapter four now. The Bible is not written in chapters. When chapter three stopped, it didn't mean that there's a whole nother moment now. No, they're still talking, okay? And these spake, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came unto them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. As Peter is preaching, they're speaking to the people. They're preaching about Jesus. They're telling them Moses prophesied about Jesus. Samuel prophesied about Jesus. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. Every prophet has prophesied about Jesus. And guess what? You're the children of the prophet. You're the seed of Abraham. You're the people he's talking about. That through you, he's going to bless the whole world. And when the priests hear it and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees hear it, they put them in jail. They laid hands on them and put them in hold. Until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. Too late. <laughs> many of them that heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Woo! How many, how many people heard what Peter was preaching? When Peter started preaching that stuff about Moses and Samuel and the prophets, they were like, oh my goodness. We are children of the prophets. We know all of this. We've seen all this. And when they heard it, 5,000 of them were like, I'm down. It's Jesus. 
And it came to pass on the next day, on the morrow, that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest, and, and Caiaphas and John and, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, <clears throat> by what power or by what name have you done this? They got all the people together. I like how the Bible gives them, names them. They, got, they brought in all the heavy hitters. Luca Brazzi and everybody, you know what I'm saying? They brought them all in, everybody. Caiaphas and Alexander brought them all, and they put Peter and John in the middle of them, and they said, by what power and by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! He said, oh, y'all, y'all, okay, y'all want, want me to, y'all want me to talk? Peter, full of the Holy Ghost. Listen, Peter has been full of himself. And when he was full of himself, he said some ignorant things. When he was full of himself, he used a sword to cut off the ears of people. When he was full of himself, he said, I don't, I don't know that man. I'm telling you, I don't know that man. But now he's filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. When he's filled with the Holy Ghost, he said unto them, you rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify, he would never let him, Peter ain't ever gonna let him go from that, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him did this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter preaching. Peter is preaching. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They said, hold up, time out. A couple years ago, these dudes was fishing. A couple years ago, these guys were ignorant and unlearned. These men of knowledge, these men of power, these men of stature, these scribes, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these are learned men. They can quote the Torah. If they were not able to quote the Torah, they could not be called Sadducees or Pharisees. These men knew it verbatim, could stand with their eyes closed and read the whole thing out and never move. These were Sadducees and Pharisees, but they were astonished at the boldness of ignorant people that had been with Jesus. Oh, see, see, Jesus doesn't care where you come from. Jesus don't care what your education level is. If there's something different about someone that's been with Jesus, and I believe in education, absolutely, get all the education you can get, but I'll take someone who's been in the presence of Jesus with or without a degree, don't, don't matter to me. I just want somebody that's been with Jesus. They took note that these men have been with Jesus. Verse 14, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them. Time out. 
How did he get here? I mean, have you ever read Acts 4? I mean, these men were in jail. They brought them out the next morning. They brought all the heads of the families together, set these guys in the middle, and was questioning them, interrogating them, and somehow the, the man who was healed is there. And he said, he never left the temple. This man said, I'm, I'm here. Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. What you going to say? Here he is. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest. It's obvious that something has been done to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Here's the deal. They don't care about the miracle. They care about the name. Hmm. I'll get to that. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Look, you can heal all the people you want to heal. It's the name of Jesus we're worried about. You can have all the church you want to have. It's just the name of Jesus we're worried about. You know what? You can have all the religion you want to have. You can do all the good you want to do. It's just the name of Jesus we're worried about. As long as you keep the name of Jesus out of it, we'll let you do whatever you want to do. You can, you can be as awesome as you want to be as long as you'll keep the name of Jesus out of it. Can I tell you that this world wants us to deny the name of Jesus? We can have good church. Let's just don't talk about Jesus. We can have miracle signs and wonders. Let's just don't talk about Jesus. We can do good things for the community. Let's just don't talk about Jesus. But I promise you that none of that can be done unless it be done in the name of Jesus. Verse 18, they commanded him not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you be the judge of that. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. It's very important to understand this. Very important to understand this. They couldn't say nothing about it because the man who was healed was over 40. That means for 40 years, this dude had been laying by the gate. The Bible says they laid him by the gate every day. So too many people had seen him by the gate. He, he wasn't hurt two months ago, a year ago. For 40 years, this man had been laying. And there was no way to deny what had happened. Mm, hallelujah. I come to just tell somebody, I don't care how old you are, God can still do a miracle in your life. 
I don't care how long you've been dealing with it. God can heal it. I don't care how long you've been facing it. God can do it. I don't care how long you've been addicted. God can turn it around. I don't care how long you've been in bondage. God can break the chain. I don't care how long you've been away from him. God can bring you to him. Yeah. I try not to preach, but I'm in Acts. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which had made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thine hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts 2.38 ain't the only time that somebody got the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 ain't the only time that somebody got the Holy Ghost. Here's what happened. They threatened them and after they threatened them, they said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do with the threatening. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. They let them go they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. They went back home. They, they got to church together and they said, man, let me tell you what the chief priests had done. Let, let's tell you everything that happened. And, and when they told them that, they said, man, you know what? Let's just pray. Let's just pray that God would pour out signs and wonders. Let's just pray that God would give us boldness to speak the word. Let's just pray that God would do a miracle among us. Let's just pray that God would protect us. Let's just pray that God would be on our side. And as they prayed, the place were shaken. And all they, that were assembled together be, were filled with the Holy Ghost. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many were possessors of land or houses sold them, and bought the prices of the things which were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And... And Joseph, who by the apostle surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, last week, I kind of ended here. I'm going to go just a couple more minutes here tonight. I kind of ended last week with this, this concept that the Jews are having. Great signs and miracles and wonders are being done. And the apostles and the people that all the Jews that have got the Holy Ghost, man, they're just, they're creating a commune. They're creating this, 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 this thing. And, and they're all in this together. And they're all, th th there's a great spirit among them. And, and as of yet, God has not fell on anybody who's not Jewish. All the Jews are together in this moment. This, as we know right now, just in our own counting, our own math, there's eight thousand Jews in the church, eight thousand. 
That's not including the ones that we don't really know about. There, there could be, it could be 25, 50,000 people in, in Jerusalem, and they're creating this church, and they're creating this commune, and they're all selling their goods, and they're giving it to one another, and they're selling everything. They're giving it to the apostles. The apostles are taking it. They're, just, they're, they're distributing it. It's, it's, it's a great thing, but at the same time, if you were here last week, you understand this is not what God asked them to do. This is, to me, this is just a, a good lesson on what happens when, when, when we mix flesh and spirit together and everything just feels real good. And it's like, you know what? We have a really good church and everybody's happy and we all look the same and we all dress the same and it would just be awesome for us to keep coming like this. You know, just us four, no more. This, we're happy. This is good. But God's about to break this whole thing up. Because the Bible tells us about Barnabas. Barnabas goes and sells land and he gives everything. But then it tells us about another man in, in chapter 5 named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. They sold land as well. But instead of giving everything, you know, they kept back the profit, you know. They kept back a, a portion for themselves. And, and you know, because, because here's the deal, is that no matter how perfect you think a church is going to be, No matter how great, you know, God is moving among people, they still going to be people. No matter how powerful, you know, it is in the church and we all love each other. Man, look, we're all we're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes. I mean, we ain't, ain't nobody going to get everything just right. And so here comes Ananias and Sapphira. They sold their land too, but they're like, you know what? We're just going to keep a little bit for ourselves because, you know, we paid like 10000 for this land. Now we sold it for fifty, but we're going to take our ten. you know, keep our ten that we put in it. You know what I mean? I don't know how they worked this out in their mind, but for some reason they felt like we're going to keep back a portion. And they came and they brought it and they laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why have Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land? Ooh, no, 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 no. Why does it remain? I mean, was it, was it not yours to begin with? I mean, you didn't even have to bring it. I mean, but because you bring it and you pretend like it's all, it, it, it was already yours. And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but you lied unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Let me help you right here, because people preach this wrong. People preach this, that the Lord killed Ananias. Not in your Bible. Not in your Bible. It's not there. God did not kill Ananias. Here's the deal. If God struck Ananias dead because he lied, we all in trouble. God did not kill Ananias. When Ananias heard the words, he died. It was too much for him to hear. It gave his heart up. Listen, you talk about the first church, people getting healed, Signs and wonders being done. There was so much power. There was so much authority. When he heard, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. It didn't say the ghost took him. It didn't say God struck him dead. He just, he just, he was like, I can't take it. Dead. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. 
And it was about the space of three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had been done. And Peter answered unto her, tell me, tell me if you sold the land for this much. And she said, oh, yeah, 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 we sold it for that much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and they shall carry thee then out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. At no point in time did, any, did the Bible ever say that God killed these people. Okay? That's an Old Testament God. If God is killing people because they haven't given everything to the Lord, none of us would be alive right now. If the Lord was in the business of killing people who held back their tithe, we'd all be in trouble. Amen? If everybody in this room who's not current on their tithes would fall dead right now, we'd probably have no church on Sunday. Right? That's not what God is doing here. What it is, there's so much power in this place. There's so much fear on these people. These people are dying at the very thought of, I've messed up. I did something wrong. Watch this in verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. As soon as this got out, that these people held back a portion of the land, they lied to the man of God, lied to the Holy Ghost, and they died. I guarantee you nobody else did. Nay, nay. Nay, nay. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Everybody was on point. Like, no, I, I look, I, I'm just going to give a little extra just in case. Great fear came upon all of them, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. I'm, I'm, I'm about to close. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them, and believers were the more added uh, to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all that they were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they found them not in the prison and they returned and said, hey, the prison truly, all the doors were shut safely and the keepers were there, uh, but they weren't in there. Hold up. The doors were shut, the doors were locked, and the guards were standing, but there was nobody there. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told him, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. 
And they went, the captain and the officers, and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest and asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on the tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to their heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee, by the name of Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said unto them, you men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thetis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 4,000 joined themselves, who was slain and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up of Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew away many people after him, he also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men. Leave them alone. For if this counsel or this work of, be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And they called and they that called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they, see, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's a good word. This, this, this smart Sadducee got up and said, hey guys, listen, remember, remember that is... Remember him, he, he, I mean, he, he came, he said he was somebody. About 4,000 people joined his church. But man, we killed him. And, and where are they now? Nowhere. And remember Judas? Remember him? They came during the day of taxing and he had his little deal going. And then all of a sudden it just stopped and those people just dispersed. Listen, leave these people alone. Because they're probably just going to go away. But if it's, a, it, it, it's probably not of God. But if it is of God then it won't go nowhere. And so they told him, they said, listen, you can go, just do not preach in the name of Jesus. And the last words of chapter five are, or chapter, yeah, chapter five, daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Yeah. Whoo, hallelujah. Good word. Good word. Would you stand with me tonight? Tonight in my closing, I want to just in, in, encourage you this week to continue to read the book of Acts because Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 5 to me is, the, is, is, is this is all the beginning of the church. This is all the beginning. This is kind of where it all begins and is how it begins to play out in these first few years. This is a couple years, the years of after Jesus died. And, and you'll see the birth of the church and you'll see, you know, the, the boldness of the apostles 
and, and how the, the Jewish rulers of those times did everything in their power to shut them down. But they were bold. And they said, no. They said, listen, stop preaching. We don't care if you preach. Just don't do it in Jesus' name. But they kept preaching. And they said, listen, you filled our, you filled our city with this doctrine about Jesus. And it's, it's, I mean, at this point, we know that there's thousands of people in the church now, thousands of converts. It's everywhere. It's on every street corner. The Bible says they preach it in the temple and every house. These guys are like cable TV. They in every house <laughs> teaching Jesus Every day, it's exciting. The church is growing. There's a boom. It's the birth. It's happening. And the devil and men and flesh cannot put it into it. But what's about to happen next? What's about to happen next is structure. The church needs boldness. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the power and the authority of God. But structure is about to start coming to the church. There's going to be structure, and then there's going to be persecution. And then there's going to be revival and harvest. And the church, in just a few chapters, is about to break out of the walls of Jerusalem. It's about to break out because the church is bigger than Jerusalem. First in Jerusalem, then in Judea then in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. This book's about to be, get, get real good. This is the exciting time of the book of Acts, the birth of the church, the, the first few years. This is exciting. God's moving. God's working. There's many signs, many miracles, but what's about to happen next is structure. The church is about to find structure. They're about to start building on what God is about to do because the systems that they're about to put in place are about to push this gospel outside of the walls. So this week, take some time, read, and we'll, we'll come back together and we'll continue the book of Acts. We got through three chapters tonight. Amen? That's good. That's good. We try to get through three or four next week. Amen? If I possibly can without preaching. It's the book of Acts, so I'm sorry. I got to preach a little bit. It's so good. Can we pray together? Lord, so We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.